Welcome, everybody, to the Lakers Legacy Podcast, where Houston, we have a... I'm not going to do it. I can't do it. I just can't do it. Too much of a low bar. Okay, how about this? Houston, we have grift off. Because oh, these God. grifters, these grifters have bamboozled us all. This wasn't the team that was promised to us. The Lakers have lost three games in a row. They are now 0-5 on the road. They just got Houston rocked last night without AD and now are 3-5. I'm your host, Jonathan Hernandez, and today I'm joined by longtime friend of the podcast, leader of the LNLS Collective. You know him as Mr. Ricky Sanchez on Twitter. Mr. Ricky Barnes. Ricky, how are we doing in Lakers land, Chi-Town chapter? It's cold outside. It ain't gonna get no warmer no time soon. Usually that means I get to look forward to just a season full of exciting NBA basketball from our Lakers. Um, last few years though, the last few years it seems like it's it's kind of it's kind of felt similar. I'm not we're not we're not having too much fun to start these games and not having too much fun to start first quarter. So hopefully, Johnny, we can have a better first quarter than the Lakers have had damn near every game this season. Amen to that, man. Well, I'm glad to have you on. Glad to have you back. I know the scheduling has been tricky with Ricky these past few months, but we finally got it down on the fly. And you know what's funny, Ricky? Every time we have you on, or at least the last time we have you, we had you on, oh god, it always seems like the Lakers are being punished in the paint down low for lacking an insurance bruising big man. And somehow... They always seem to have an open roster spot doing absolutely nothing about it. Do you remember the last time you were on here? We were like, okay, they have an open roster spot. What? Who are some big men that we can look at? Tristan Thompson, yep. Hassan Whiteside. It's deja vu all over again. But it's a new season. Uh, unfortunately for the Lakers, tale as old as time, no matter how many forwards they stack up, they just can't get this traditional bruising big man insurance policy right for Anthony Davis. And lo and behold... 80s out again. He's got like a hip strain, hopefully not too long of a long-term injury, but and somehow it always seems to be the always seems to be the Houston Rockets that end up showing that end up telling the Lakers that they need an insurance bruising big man. So, yeah. uh what are your thoughts on that and they don't have to be deep thoughts, but look, the Memphis Grizzlies just signed Bismack Biombo or Bitch Mac Biombo as I like to call him. Wow. And you know, when we signed Christian Wood in the offseason, I really liked that signing. But I remember in a podcast I have this recorded, I told Tommy, great that we got Christian Wood, but I also think we should sign Bismack Biombo along with him. It doesn't hurt to have both guys. And now we're seeing, why do we have an open roster spot open right now? But do, are there any big man candidates at the top of your head now, Ricky, that you can think of? And do you think the Lakers need to fill that spot? Man, I think... 
I think it's just so ironic. I'm coming on here once again, and we're here to talk about issues with with big men. I, and that is my position of expertise. I do love me some some BBU, big big boy university. And I man, I, I'm gonna be honest, Jay. The the whole situation with the Lakers and having bruising big men as insurance policies, they clearly don't value that. No, they don't. They they do not value having people around and behind Anthony Davis that can protect him against other bigs, uh, free him up to go and be a demon against smaller players trying to attack the paint. Those things are not in the Lakers' uh, bucket of concentration right now. It's, wow, go look at Anthony Davis be a demon against smaller players. He's protecting the rim. Oh, shit, that's a shot. Oh, nobody's there to get it. Yep. There's nobody there, man. The Lakers allow so much interior penetration. Then they pray to the heavens that Anthony Davis could come and save them, deter them, scare the ball handler into making a stupid shot. But if they get that shot off, there is about a 40% chance that the Lakers are not coming down with it. And it's sickening. I'm sorry. We, you know, we, we go back. We go back way before the Dwight Howard, JaVale McGee, 2020, just trio of big men protecting in there for Anthony Davis. That that was it. That was the creme de la creme. You, you ran it back with a Marcus Gasol. That, that didn't work out. You tried Andre Drummond. That, I mean, Andre Drummond would be kind of nice right now when you think about <laughs> it. But that didn't work out in the time being. You gave up on that too soon. And then it just turned into what's left in the bargain basket, brother. I don't have – so I haven't dove into potential bigs. I would love to hear who you're interested in. You are also very resourceful in trying to find some potential contributions uh, from the, the waivers, from just the, uh, the recycling bin. But right now, man, I have to be honest with myself. If the Lakers don't give a damn about these situations that end up happening every single season, i.e. Anthony Davis going down, i.e. Anthony Davis having to protect abysmal defensive guards, I can't be mad anymore. I can't lose my mind over insanity. No, no, no more. No mas. And that is totally fair to the Lakers credit or not credit. That's not the right word. But to caveat the Lakers a little bit, obviously, they did not know that Jackson Hayes would go down. They didn't know Rui Hachimura would go down. They didn't know Vanderbilt would go down. So you can give them a slight pass in that respect. But at the same time, mm-hmm. those are all forwards. And Jackson Hayes, while he is a seven-footer, he's not that bruising big man that you typically think of. And Christian Wood, even though he's shown strides in being able to help Anthony Davis rebound the basketball this season, If Anthony Davis goes down, Christian Wood then can't be your sole rim protector at center. And it seems like the Lakers, when it comes to bruising big men, are always very reactive instead of proactive. And sometimes they don't even react at all, as we saw last season, because who did they sign with that last roster spot? Tristan Thompson, like the last day of the season. So here we are again in the same spot. I'm not very confident they're going to do anything about that 15th mm-hmm. roster spot because they are probably wanting to save luxury tax again this year. But let's say it's become so apparently obvious that they need a big man. And I would constitute that Houston Rockets whooping as right. pretty glaringly obvious that they need a big man. But, you know, the Lakers, it takes like five sets of games like that for them to sign Tyson Chandler eventually to try and save the day as they once right. did like four years ago. Anyways, 
not too confident that they're going to sign a bruising big man. They're just going to wait for Anthony Davis to return, right? Um, and Vanderbilt, et cetera. Well, Segwin even had Segwin had a good game last last year against the Lakers, man. Like this is, you know, they I don't know how Rockets fans found late night Lake shows, you know, game day you know, injury report tweets. Shout out to them. They boosted the, the shit out of the engagement yesterday. So I guess I got to thank them for that. But all just nothing but quote tweets saying, good, I want Anthony Davis to play so Segwin can show that this is this ain't just about, you know, he's just not good against inferior big men. Like to a T, 20, 30 replies saying, no, nah, I want AD healthy. I want that smoke and I want that smoke. And then he doesn't play. And you kind of see why they were so confident in his ability, bro. 19 and 7. And he was, you know, talk about chairman of big boy you. He wasn't hitting no crazy moves out there, bro. He was hitting, he was using his size to an advantage, hitting maybe a couple big boy Euros where pretty much he just keeps the ball higher and takes his two steps right through somebody. That th- those are the kind of skills right, that you see in traditional big men that's starting to return around the league. You take a look at some of these guys, and at the top of that totem pole, Nikola Jokic, who once again is having an MVP caliber season. I'm not here to say that we're in the reactionary mode where everybody needs to find a Shaq stopper. You remember when everybody needed to, in the West, they needed to go get a big man uh, just to guard Shaq in the event that they play him in the playoffs. Joker's about as elite you could get right now. And it seems like the Lakers were kind of just like, well, we're going to get a little bit more athletic, bring in, uh, you know, bring in Jackson Hayes, which I do like me some Jackson Hayes. Don't get me wrong, but he fits in that that leaper category. Your mm-hmm. athletic rim protector that gets out there, transition, hustle guy. Christian Wood, he's a scorer. He's a baller. And he, you know, he can put the ball in the basket. And I do love what he's brought to the table defensively alongside Anthony Davis. You're not asking him to guard Nikola Jokic, man. That's going to get nasty. So then we're back to square one. AD on Jokic. We saw what that looked like in the Western Conference Finals. Then we start filing through the bargain basket. Like, okay, uh, 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 Roy, you you do that. Okay, that worked for one half. Let's smile going into game three. Yeah, we figured it. No, bro, it don't work like that. Then what are we left with now? Trying to put Vandy on him. Trying to put who? Who else? Christian Wood. Life is just not going to be good for our Lakers if our answer to guarding the premier big men in the league, ones in the Western Conference we got to go through, is a trio of Anthony Davis, Jackson Hayes, and Christian Wood when Anthony Davis will not 100% be healthy when they face each other most likely. it, it, It just don't work like that. It's not it's not going to work. And no one's saying that whatever bargain bin big man we get out of the bargain bin is going to make a difference in guarding guys like Jokic or even Shangun. What I'm saying is if and when Anthony Davis goes down, we can't be left with Jackson Hayes. And if Jackson Hayes is not unavailable, we can't be left with Christian Wood as they're so big because the scouting report is out on the Lakers. You can still bully ball the hell out of this team, not only on the interior, but your guards can shove everybody around and crash the boards on the Lakers, you'll be able to get second chance opportunities. And because of that, will a bargain bin bruising man help? Yes, because they can foul the hell out of these people and at least instill the fear of God into some of these players versus, hey, Mm -hmm. we can bully these Lakers around, get the rebound, even if we miss and impose our will in the paint on them. And so 
Bargain bin, big man. Same shit you've heard before, dude. Tony Bradley, Myers Leonard. Okay. I'll even take a Nerlens Noel at this point because the Lakers just need an infusion of energy. I feel like someone who knows how to rebound the ball and get after it. You know, you don't necessarily have to be bruising, but if you have a nose for the ball, give me one of those players. You know, uh, Dwayne Dedman, Gorgie Dang. These are all washed up names. My funny hipstery bargain bin big man, though, Ricky, is uh, mm. Kai Jones. It's Kai, all it's right, man. It's that time. It's that time. <laughs> I don't think First he is. First foremost, just... <laughs> man, Kai got to be straight over there, man. I get. The, I know these young kids like dyeing their hair and dancing in front of the camera until they start sweating. That sweat looked a little bit different from just extended exercise. So, <laughs> Kai, if your mentals are right, brother, pick up the phone. We, we, I'm with that. We could use that athleticism, but yes, you know it's desperate times when you're throwing out Kai Jones as, as a pickup for the Lakers. With that said, enough talk about big man. I did not expect to go that long on big man, but okay, maybe we don't have to go too long on this topic as well. The Houston Rockets game last night. Do you have any takeaways from that abomination of a game? Biggest talking points, obviously, was that AD was out with his hip strain or whatever. He tried to go... He tried to return during the Miami game. That didn't work out, so he's decided to rest it up. Rui Hachimura returned last night and looked very good. Kind of picked up right where he left off from preseason, which was nice to see. Unsurprisingly, Shangun and the Rockets demolished the Lakers on the boards and in the paint. The Lakers got out-rebounded 57-34. to 14-5 to on the offensive boards. And then fast break-wise, they got outscored 20-9. to I mean, look, overall... There's not much to take away from this game because it was over by halftime and uh, it was just, you know, academics at that point. The Lakers had no life, no no spirit, no fight. Uh, Max Christie with his stash out there looks like a seven-year-old kid dressed oh up God. as Bruno Mars for Halloween. So, you know, I put that picture so up on Twitter of uh, Bruno Mars and put, I'm going to leave the paint <laughs> open. I'm going to leave the paint open, girl. Uh, and that's exactly what the Lakers did. Defensively, it goes without stating. The Lakers are soft right now offensively there is no plan it's my turn your turn do something with the basketball maybe with a little bit of pick and roll mixed in there otherwise lakers are looking mighty byron scotty on offense and that's that's a very sad place to be but we are here and another abysmal night from three-point land the lakers shot seven of 25 or 28 i believe what did they shoot? Seven of 25, 28 percent. I mean, obviously, we're missing a lot of guys, but still, it's it's been terrible. My biggest takeaway, though, is 80s out, right? Who do you expect to step up in 80s absence? Who's the guy you signed as AD insurance? Oh. <laughs> hey, you about to go with my man, Christian Wood. Yes, Christian Wood. This is oh, why man. you sign okay. Christian Wood. AD's out, start of the game. You get the start at center. It's time for Christian Wood to get buckets because Christian Wood is a bucket. Mm-hmm. Christian Wood ends the game with one shot. Who is the coach on this team? How can that happen? I, I know that there were defensive issues. There were a lot of larger issues at play. Austin Reeves sucked, whatever. I don't care. Christian Wood should not only have one shot. What the hell is going on? Do you have any takeaways from the Houston Rockets game? No, that's actually pretty nuts. Uh, I didn't realize at the time because I stopped watching after the third that Christian Wood would end up with a goose egg. But, hey, maybe he was fighting for his life on defense out there. (laughs) I don't know. He he surely Um, was, but still. 
he could get drawn up at least uh, one shot or two. He hasn't been shy to shoot a three any other time this season. So Seriously. that's a little nasty. I might need to excuse myself uh, to the bathroom after he's hearing that one. But no, I think you hit the nail on the head, man. A disgusting performance, a disgusting effort. Uh, post-game comments, kind of, I wasn't trying to hear none of that shit. One from Coach Ham talking about, I'm proud of our guys. And, you know, there's this kumbaya, you know, church camp counselor. We're going to all in this together, you know, high school musicals type stuff like Please, man, these are grown men with way, way, way grown men responsibilities playing a child's game, right? Like, I think at the very least, right, we could get some fire and desire when we kept talking about how there's no fire and desire in the first quarter to start games. At least we could see somebody do something that says, oh, that's how, so they must have talked about this. They must have did some, made a concerted effort. I mean, you lost all the hustle stats, all of them. You yeah. can't win a basketball game like that, man. So, you know, shout out uh, Rui Hachimura, Hachimura Network in his time back, you know, dropping 24 and 8. Love him. Love that for him. So outside of that, now, nah, man, you got to flush one of these games down the toilet. I am, though, concerned overall about the Lakers artillery against the big dogs when mm-hmm. we think playoff time or when these games actually have higher stakes so yeah no i agree with you that that's pretty much my takeaway as well you got to flush this one down the toilet just like you kind of got to flush the miami heat game down the toilet not the least of which you know the refs were atrocious in that game and then the ad injury just kind of threw everyone for a loop and his will he won't he like thing where he came in the game stepped out of the game came in again that I feel like if that hadn't happened, the Lakers may have had a better shot at actually winning the game. So you kind of had have mm. to throw that down the toilet as well. So the last two games, this road trip, it has been a an unfortunate confluence of events here. And I'm not trying to make excuses for this team, but it doesn't seem like anyone is on the same page right now. And Rui Hachimura last night looked like the only player who was excited to play basketball and who had any yep. sort of energy and life in him, maybe because he hadn't played for so long and he didn't think this like uh, concussion thing would keep him out for so long. Yeah, I don't know. I guess this perfectly segues us into my next question before we take it to break. Where are you at right now through eight games? Lakers are three and five. Where are you at on your personal Lakers fan panic meter on a scale of one to 10? And then follow-up question to that is, how much is this injuries? How much is this is there something else off or really injuries first, then we'll see. And then you can, you know, maybe there is something starting to creep at the top of the surface here or beneath the surface. But right now injuries is at the top and later, even, even when certain guys are back, your suspicions are confirmed that, yeah, there is something else going on, but where are you at on a scale of one to 10 for your personal panic meter? And then how much is it injuries? How much is it? There's something else going on. Yeah. I, I mean, Waking up, having a cup of coffee, kissing my children on the forehead and taking them to school, I've calmed, <laughs> right? Um, an emotionless me uh, would just say it's probably about a five, maybe five and a half. Um, I think the LeBron was correct in his postgame comments talking about, well, you can't have any cohesiveness if you don't have all of your players at full strength. Okay, yeah, that's fair. But so far, you have had none of your players at full strength to start the year. And if we're really keeping it a buck, LeBron, how many games do you expect to have everybody at full strength? 
in including yourself, sir. Like, this is just the reality that we're in. Go ahead. And sorry, I was going to say, you know when they did have everybody at full strength? It was in the preseason. In the preseason, and, yeah. <laughs> and, so this is my kind of gripe every year, you know, not to take this on a tangent, but take preseason a, lit, a little bit more seriously because that's the time when everybody's healthy. So run real rotations out there. The fact that we are seeing none of what we saw in the preseason, in the regular season, is so annoying. But yes, go ahead. No, no, exactly. And I, I just, I kind of can only shake my head at, at comments like that at this time. The Lakers are still, one of their top two players is still 38 turning 39. We are a very tightly wound basketball team where if something snips right everything could look awful and that's kind of what we see i look forward to the day that we get to evaluate this team at full strength but can we just be honest jared vanderbilt has not played a basketball game this season and the, the prognosis was he was day to day at one point then it was like oh we'll check back in with the week now it's like yeah you know we're taking it a step at a time i Last point, uh, Yovan Bua, who writes for The Athletic, we all uh, appreciate his stuff there. Um, I was talking with him offline. He had tore his Achilles hooping. God, that's scary for a 30-year-old to hear that. Um, but he was joking and said, yeah, I'll be back before Vando. And I was like, huh, well, that's a joke. But I feel like the Lakers are once again hiding, not, not hiding, they're not disclosing 100% of what's going on with Vandy right now. So I don't know when we'll actually get this 100% roster, maybe sometime in December, maybe for the Christmas game. If we don't have a 100% healthy roster by Christmas, Jonathan, throw the whole we need to see our team fully healthy comments out the window. Fourth of the season is gone. So five and a half right now. Let me know when and if we are going to be a healthy basketball team. And that's why, again, when you do have a healthy basketball team, take advantage of the time because you never know. It's so funny, right, where you try and do this load managing thing in the preseason just to make sure that your stars are healthy. And then you get to the regular season and you end up having to drive them into the ground anyways because you didn't take the preseason seriously enough. And now you're trying to scrounge together wins, you know, uh, when if you had just done right by the process from day one, maybe you wouldn't be in this position. Anyways, the Jared Vanderbilt thing is definitely scary and concerning. Shades of Kendrick Nunn, right? That first year. And the other scary thing about Jared Vanderbilt is I believe he slipped in the draft because he had foot injury issues as well. So if that's starting mm. to crop up again, it's almost like Jared Vanderbilt's absence is showing the Lakers why they desperately needed to resign him. But at the same time, his injury is also showing the Lakers why they were right to maybe be cautious about re-signing him because if his past injury history is cropping back up now, even though he's been relatively healthy the last two years, with a player like Vanderbilt, also with a player like Caruso, where these guys put their bodies on the line to hustle out there and defend and grab rebounds, it's depreciating value with these sorts of guys, unfortunately. you know, And Caruso hasn't been healthy the last few years as well. So are we at the downturn of Jared Vanderbilt, unfortunately, even though we just mm. saw him, you know, play tremendously for us last year. It's like, what is the shelf life on this type of high motor energizer bunny sort of defender? You know, I'm hoping this isn't the start of something terrible, you know, so and, and, the, and, and it worries me because a lot 
of our comments and concerns are caveated by the fact that Jared Vanderbilt isn't here. So it worries me that we're putting a lot on Jared Vanderbilt when, like you mentioned, maybe the day of healthy Jared Vanderbilt may not come. And at best we get 75% Jared Vanderbilt when we need, apparently we need 120% Jared Vanderbilt, the way this team is looking, yeah. you know? And so, a three point shot to that. It just is coming with him that yeah, we've and heard a three and we point saw shot. over the summer. It's like, yeah, so great. Yeah. We're going to get prime Jared Vanderbilt back and that's going to solve all of our issues. All right. Again, it, it, it's a terrible confluence of events. The Lakers could not have foreseen this, but now that they know where we're at, maybe sign somebody with that 15th roster spot. Non-guaranteed, doesn't matter. Sign somebody. Anyways, for me, with regards to my Lakers fan panic meter, I am absolutely aligned with you. Um, last week when AD was healthy and we were still stumbling our way through wins, my panic meter was maybe at a two. Like I wasn't worried at all. Like I was like, yeah. for the most part, everybody's healthy. We're seeing flashes here and there. Vando's out, Gabe's out, Torian Prince is out, Rui's out. You know, like what can you do? We're relying on Cam Reddish right now to defend the, the opposing team's best wing defenders, okay? And we're still winning. So we were three and two after the Clippers win. My panic meter, regardless of how ugly it looked, was we were at a two. We started last year off 0-5, okay? I remember what Russell Westbrook days were like. I have some perspective. <laughs> we're, we're still miles right. away from yeah. that. Now, after the last three losses and after 80 going down, my, antenna, my antennas are clearly up, and I am at a 5 slash 5.5. I'm not sounding the alarm yet, but I'm starting to stare very intently at that lever. But again, ultimately, this team has been very injury-laden. Vando was a huge loss. So was Gabe Vincent, actually. I know people have not liked Gabe Vincent's shot selection or his inability to put the ball in the basket. But with regards to having any sort of life and physicality on this team, Gabe Vincent was supposed to be a huge proponent of that, and he has been missing, you know? Um, And then again, the team didn't treat training camp very seriously, or at least it didn't seem like it with regards to the preseason games and the weird rotations that we never saw in the regular season that they trotted out there. Um, but again, look, I, I still remember where we were at last year with an aimless roster, knowing 100% sure that this wasn't it with Russell Westbrook. Uh, and there was there were no excuses last year to cover up the fact that right. this Russell Westbrook thing wasn't going to work. And everybody, literally everybody, including Russell Westbrook himself, was just waiting for a trade. And yet we continued to trot out lineups out there to try and win basketball games when you knew 100% nobody had their heart in it, you know? And we started out 2-10 and last year. And even with that dilapidated roster with Russell Westbrook still on it, AD and LeBron, and sometimes them separately because the other was out, AD and LeBron still somehow dragged that team to a near 500 record even before we got the trade for the depth that eventually ignited us. So I don't expect every Lakers fan to keep that perspective the way I do, you know, Lakers fan, the way you want a Lakers fan. If you want to yell at the top of the rooftops, do that. You know, I'm not going to tell you how to be a fan, but at least for me, be a a nine. It's okay. It's okay. Look, this hasn't been entertaining. It's okay to feel how you feel, baby. (laughs) Absolutely. I'm just saying uh, for me, I remember Russell Westbrook days as, uh, Recently as yesterday. In fact, we just saw them last week. You know, <laughs> I remember <laughs> right, what yeah. dark, I remember what dark times were like, and it wasn't that long ago. So at three and five, understanding that important rotation pieces have been missing, 
I'm concerned, but I have, again, enough perspective now to understand that this is a long season and there have been very clear contextual factors that have led to our early struggles thus far. My question now is, are people going to do something about what they've seen so far that have been concerning? Is the coach going to do something about it? Is the front office going to do something about it? Are the players themselves going to do something about it? If they don't, that's when I'll start to sound the alarm, you know? So yeah. uh, why, why don't we take it to break? When we return, I want to ask Ricky about, more specifically, what are some of his biggest concerns about this team? And then I want to talk a little bit about Mr. H-I-M and uh, oh. what's going on with him. So we will catch you guys after the break. Wilson, you sent the game-winning email at the buzzer, avoiding a 4.55 meeting on everyone's calendar. How did you do it? I got a huge assist from Grammarly, an AI writing partner that helped me make my point. 96% of Grammarly users say that it helps them craft more impactful writing. Would you agree? Grammarly helped adjust my tone to navigate tough work conversations. And it works everywhere I write, so I can quickly communicate effectively. Your teammate used Grammarly to summarize an important document, making a three-pointer. How did he do it? It only took one click. When everyone uses Grammarly, everything just makes sense. You made an incredible slam dunk to end the game. The meeting was canceled, and your team will go home champions. Go to Grammarly.com slash podcast to download it for free. That's Grammarly.com slash podcast. Easier said, done. Hey folks, quick reminder, if you've enjoyed what you've been listening to up until this point, please do us a favor and give us a five-star rating and review on the Apple Podcast app. Also, check out the Spotify app, look up our page, and hit that five-star dial at the top of our page. Make sure it's five stars. We are at 99 stars, I believe, at the time that I'm recording this. We'd love to get over 100. And yeah, it would mean a lot to us at this point. Your guys' reviews and your guys' support are the only things upholding this show as each of us get busier and busier with our daily lives and we start contemplating what the end looks like and whether or not we can continue to maintain the overall consistency of this show. So giving us a five-star rating and review and continuing to and continuing to let us know that you're listening definitely goes a long way. So we appreciate all the support that we've gotten. But yeah, if you could do us a favor and rate and review us on the Apple Podcast app and the Spotify app, that would be tremendous. With that said, please enjoy the rest of the show. All right, so we are back. Ricky, what are some of the uh, tangible concerns that you've seen thus far about this team? I know we may have talked about it previously through some of the different segments, but crystallizing it a little bit more, what are some of your biggest concerns that you've seen thus far from this team through eight games? Yeah, I think first and foremost are our guards, our starting backcourt of D'Angelo Russell and Austin Reeves is a puppy chow, is kibbles and bits, is any type of just food that is easily digestible in large quantities. That's what they are on defense right now. Um, I'm not sure if other teams in picking up on that uh, Denver tape uh, when seeing that D'Angelo Russell can be attacked in a certain way if they also picked up that Austin Reeves can be attacked in a certain way. Um, I I talked about this a little bit on the timeline this morning that when you have players that while have the intangibles and have the measurements to be productive defensive players, but their mindset is offensive first, 
they kind of need to see the ball go in the basket before mm-hmm. their defensive intensity and effort raises. Is that the right way to think? No, no, of course you want everybody to care just as much on defense as they do on offense. But guys like D'Lo, guys like AR, once those threes are hitting, once they are, you know, finding their way to make impactful plays on the offensive side, then you kind of see them juiced up more on defense. And right now with AR, especially his shot not falling, man, it's uh, it, it's looking a little dark. And it's almost at the point now where you have to ask, you have to ask. Should the ball be less in his hands and less in D'Angelo's hands and back to the 38, 39-year-old who at least has a generation's worth of data that says good things are going to happen when he has the basketball and he has some capable shot makers around him? I don't know. I don't know if that means Austin should go to the bench eventually, if uh, D'Lo should go to the bench eventually, if that means we'll have to seek outside help and bring them in for backcourt stability. You're already seeing Lakers fans. I'm actually surprised. I was listening to Lockdown Bulls that there's the Bulls fans and followers and contributors are starting to think about, you know, possibly some Lakers Bulls transactions, maybe getting Caruso to the Lakers. They're ready to blow it up. (laughs) Right. Well, then, Shell, if you're doing players only meetings after the first game, I think you already are. Now, that's a a franchise in a team fan base that has their finger on the button that should be at an eight or a nine. Right. We're not there yet. Right. So I think just I just want to kick this part of our combo off with just acknowledging that the Lakers backcourt is not cutting it on either side of the ball right now. And that and is hemorrhaging their, their impact on, on the team. 100%. And to your point about how these offensive first guards need to see the ball go in the basket first to energize them on defense, along the same lines as that, I feel like, sadly, this is a sad statement, I feel like they're actually trying harder defensively. Mm. And I think it's zapping their legs on offense because they're tr- actually trying, you know? It's not for lack of trying. I mean, D'Angelo Russell led the team with three blocks last night. That's really sad, yeah. but he did. Uh, but it's it, it also goes to show you just how much Jared Vanderbilt was upholding that starting unit, right? Because with Jared Vanderbilt there, LeBron could play free safety, AD could clean up on the weak side, and the guards could kind of just play zone, zone defense, right. you know? yeah. And they were able to see the ball go in the basket because they had the legs to do that. They didn't have to worry about cleaning up after guys. They didn't have to worry about boxing out as much, even though that's something you should always do as any basketball player of any position. But, you know, this that type of stuff happens. They know Jared Vanderbilt's there. And with no Jared Vanderbilt, I mean, look, again, it's sad, but Austin Reeves has been trying to crash the boards more. I think he had like 10 rebounds in the Miami Heat game, right? Uh, D'Angelo Russell, he has to be more aware about back cuts. He has to be more aware about boxing out. But even if D'Angelo Russell boxes out, guess what? He still can't get the rebound because he has physical limitations, right? right? And so what I'm trying to add to this conversation is, unfortunately, they can't see the ball go in the basket because they are trying to overcompensate for the lack of a Jared Vanderbilt. They're trying to box out. They still can't do it. And so what is the solve here? Yes, I do think they have to stagger both of them together. I also think maybe Torian Prince needs to go <laughs> because Torian Prince is not exactly crashing the boards either. And I would rather just have that three big forwards lineup to at least in this interim period stem the tide when Jared Vanderbilt is out, whether that's Christian Wood, LeBron AD, or Rui, LeBron AD. Just another big body there, not 
Torian Prince to help the guards out or send Reeves to the bench. You know, like one of those things. And I say send Reeves to the bench because I do not trust him playmaking. I don't trust his dribbles right now. At least D'Angelo Russell can get the ball in the basket and can play off ball well with LeBron. Reeves right now, and we'll get to him in a second, so I don't want to go too deeply into him. He's just not right, and I think maybe sending him back to the bench may help reset him a little bit if they can do so in a delicate, sensitive manner. But yeah, to your point, again, Jared Vanderbilt upheld this starting unit defensively, and you're starting mm-hmm. to see why why the guards' offense hasn't come around yet. It, I, it's because they're having to expend energy and still failing, you know? So any, any yeah. other thoughts? Yeah, to, and to that point, actually, when I, you just sit down and just write the starting lineup on paper and you just have a casual basketball conversation, how many defensive basketball players, how many defensive-minded, defensive-skilled basketball players do the Lakers have in their starting lineup? I'll, I'll, we'll put AD as one in ink. You got a half for LeBron because when LeBron wants to turn it on defensively in spurts, he can still do that yep. but he's worth a half a point delo's not ar's not torian prince is not a a known defender this is getting not like anymore, this is yeah. what happens right you know what i'm saying like so you're so right with vando kind of coming in and that ends up bumping us the starting lineup to two and a half right and then you have your other two guards who you know delos you know not as gifted as far as like wingspan or just a quickness with his feet on ball defense you have your best offensive player being guarded by jared vanderbilt now right so mm-hmm. now they can be those uh free uh, those roamers and play kind of that zone defense because you're putting them into the hands of either lebron james anthony davis or jared vanderbilt which makes a world of difference yeah. but yeah hey, hey and and last thing last thing this camera on i'm, I'm gonna take the camera off get it real up real close <laughs> person to me man i want y'all to never disrespect anthony davis again until he is retired and had taken his hall of fame speech and forgets to sign your grandchild's autograph one day then you get to have beef with him but until then you see that without him this team is a pile of dog shit. I do not care about effort. I do not care about coaching. You will respect Anthony Marshawn Davis Jr. You can be frustrated with him on offense and it not being there all the time. But damn it, Jonathan Hernandez just said, if D'Lo and AR are trying on defense and they can't do shit and that ends up affecting their offense. How do you think that affects Anthony Davis when he has to do every goddamn thing on the court defensively? Tell me. Sorry. That's the same Anthony Davis, by the way, who was leading the league in blocks before he went down with his hip pointer or whatever the hell he's dealing with. You know, so man, who else has this burden? In the entire NBA, name the players that have this burden, man. You got Giannis. You got uh, who else that has to carry as much of an offensive load as defensively for their team. Kawhi, I don't know if you can put him on that level as much anymore. Still appreciate Kawhi for everything he's contributed to the game. But I can't look at him like that on both ends as a lockdown defender and your A1 scorer on the field. It's Marshawn Davis and maybe a couple of other people on the planet. And y'all act like he's not doing shit. Y'all want him chipped off for contributing pieces that ain't going to add up to be shit. Respect AD. 
respect him because his jersey gonna be hanging in the rafters whether you fucking like it or not. I'm sorry, I don't know if I can say the F word. No, I love it. I, I love the impassioned. I needed it. I love the impassioned monologue soliloquy. And look, I, Anthony Davis. This is the stats are kind of warped because he only had nine points against Miami. But on the season, even with that Miami game, 24 points, 12 rebounds, 3.3 blocks. I mean. We, we need him. We need him badly because the front office apparently doesn't want to back him up with, with more bruising big men. But anyways, to go back to a conversation about what our biggest worries and concerns are of this team thus far. Yes, the guard play, the proper staggering of that guard play in the interim, trying to find another forward in there to help the guard play. Because again, it's affecting our offense. The, when Vanda was there, the guards could light it up. You know, that's why Austin Reeves and D'Angelo Russell shot 51% and 48% from the field last year. They were so efficient. You ask them yep. to rebound and box out a little, all of a sudden that drops to 45 and 41, you know? So we're not hitting our threes. Our guards aren't as dynamic offensively. We need to figure out who we want to stick in that three spot. And I don't think it's Torian Prince because just look at the first quarter differentials this entire season. It's not Torian Prince, okay? Let's let's try something new. Um, and then... That goes to my main biggest concern so far, and that would be hands in pockets, uh, Mr. Oh. Darvin Ham. Um, look, I, I like Darvin Ham. Seems like a really good guy. He always has the buy-in of his players. He, I mean, he's clearly knowledgeable about basketball. I mean, I've seen mm. like the, what's it called? Mm -hmm. The Spectrum Sports Lakers show. I forgot what it's called. Showtime Lakers or whatever. The guy's smart. He's been around the league, but I don't know. I guess every fan base can complain about their coaches and the coaches' favoritisms towards certain players. So this isn't anything new. Right. My problem with Darvin Ham is it just seems like he takes too long to adjust. And instead of going with the intuitive thing, he'll do one game of the most unintuitive thing ever get the expected outcome, and then Twitter lights him on fire, and then he does the thing he's supposed to do. It's like one of those <laughs> right. things. It's kind of yeah. like the Lakers, again, not being proactive and always reactive. And for whatever reason this season, it feels like Darvin Ham is even being reactive a lot slower, and he's not adjusting fast enough because how many games do we need to see of the Lakers starting off this slow in the first quarter for some changes to be made. And I know Torian Prince just came back, but I don't care. Let's scrap that idea. Or if you want to keep Torian Prince in there again, have some tough conversations with D'Angelo Russell and Austin Reeves. Tell them it's a temporary thing until Jared Vanderbilt comes back, but do something about it, you know? And, and right now, I feel like Darvin Ham is the type of coach who, when and, and this may sound counterintuitive based off of how much we've been in a team that seems to fight back through adversity, especially last year, but this is the sense that I'm getting the more data that we get on Darvin Ham. When things are going good, I feel like Darvin Ham sort of helps amplify that because he's a really good rah-rah guy, brings the guys together. Yeah. When things are going bad, I just feel like things get worse with Darvin Ham and it takes a long time for us to dig ourselves out of that hole. And in the meantime, Darvin Ham tends to put a lot of the burden on his superstars to help dig him out of that hole instead of putting them in positions to succeed. Case in point, last year when we were 2-10, and 10, was it anything schematically that Darvin did to help us get back up to near 500? 
nah, man, that was all Anthony Davis and LeBron James taking into overdrive and Darvin Ham playing them 39 minutes a game, you know? So what worries me about Darvin Ham is tactically as a coach, when things are, have gone to shit, is he the type of guy that can do something about it and, and make sure he's utilizing his players well? Because I think what's going to inevitably end up happening, and it's already happened, is most of the burden is going to fall on LeBron James and Anthony Davis to dig us out of this hole again. So uh, yeah. any last thoughts? Yeah, man, I, uh, I am disappointed that thinking about it, taking a full step back, you know, excited when the Lakers hired him, you know, uh, one of the things we talked about is that, you know, defensive minded, defensive focused Lakers haven't been worth much on defense, you know, all being all considering they are missing key defensive players. Um, but I think one of the things that we praise them so much for is actually something that doesn't always, you know, impact winning basketball games. And that's being a leader of men, having you know, buy in from your players like, yeah, OK, that's fine. But like there's a reason why Bill Belichick isn't really taught a thought. They, they talk about all the time how him and Tom Brady didn't have really a relationship, but they won Super Bowls together because mm -hmm. Bill was a genius. Tom was a genius and they got together and they made beautiful uh, did, uh, had beautiful accomplishments in New England. Right now you take Tom Brady away. Bill looked a little funny in the light. Unfortunately, we have a head coach who is coaching for the second season in his career. We don't have a bucket of data that says, oh, well, we know he's good at making these types of adjustments or, well, this is a rough start, but once healthy, we know he is a, a demon on his schemes and uh, how he sets up his game plans. That's kind of where we are at as a fan base, that unknown part. It's like, yeah, we could give you the benefit of the doubt. Everyone's not healthy. We can give you the benefit of doubt that you can't shoot threes for everybody, but there's going to be at some point where his record is his record. And these slow starts, it the players play, but the coach has to make the adjustments and be ready. And if he doesn't, then that's where the questions are. Do you know what to do, when to do it? Yep. And the coach can't have Christian Wood go out there and only take one shot when Anthony Davis is missing. And the tangible data that we do know about Darvin Ham is in the in game one of the Western Conference Finals against the Denver Nuggets, he started Dennis Schroeder, D'Angelo Russell, and Austin Reeves in game one. Or maybe he didn't start, but I know he played that three-guard unit lineup a lot just because Dennis Schroeder did such a good job against the Golden State Warriors that he wanted to reward Dennis Schroeder, even though it made no sense to do that against the Denver Nuggets. And again, we also have some data on how he likes to keep his hands in his pockets and not call timeout to stop runs. So God. when is that going to change, right? I don't want to go too deeply into Darvin Ham. We just hope he turns things around and uh, everybody can come together. And right now, again, everybody seems like they're on different pages. Everything's discombobulated because the injuries, injuries this, injuries that. Let's just hope Darvin Ham doesn't continue to start sounding like Doc Rivers and say the whole season, we don't know what our team is because everybody's been injured, but when we're whole, this is a good team. Okay, whatever. I don't we're care. We're not trying to hear uh, that no more, man. We're not, we're not trying, trying to hear, to hear that. that. No, the expectations. Hey, wait, Johnny, real quick. Yeah. I have a question yeah. for you, man. Mm -hmm. um, what percent do you give it that Darvin Ham could be Mike Brown? Oh, man. And for those that don't know, 
Mike Brown was the head coach of the Los Angeles Lakers, um, led them. And I think there was a shortened season or he mm-hmm. took it was a shortened season, um, led them to a decent record. Uh, the following season, he survived 11 games and then got the can. Right. And then the Lakers brought in Phil Jackson, which I think would be a, a big difference in this situation versus the next. There's no Hall of Fame head coach that I could think of in waiting. But yeah, man, what are the chances that Darvin doesn't survive this season? In this season, I would say, sadly, that it's probably still 20% just because mm-hmm. I feel like he's so ingrained in that Lakers organization. Like Jeannie loves him. Palinka loves him. He has been an assistant coach with the Lakers before. Mm-hmm. I feel like that persona is so powerful <laughs> in this organization that it's probably 20%. Now, if we are a first round knockout, if we, if we, if we lose in the first round, that rises to like maybe 55%, 60% in the offseason mm-hmm. because we can't be doing that with LeBron James last year's. I think this is his last fully guaranteed year, you know? So actually, maybe I'm talking myself into it because if you know that this is LeBron James' last fully guaranteed year and he has a player option next year, and we are by December, I don't know, let's say five games below 500 or something, and AD and LeBron are relatively healthy, then yeah, maybe maybe I'll, maybe I'll raise that to 50% because the urgency has to be there knowing that LeBron James has a player option after this year. What's he going to do? So what about you? Yeah, no, I'm, I'm right there with you. I don't think it's likely right now, but I was going to bring up that, hey man, the Lakers have benefited from LeBron and maybe not benefited, but LeBron not holding their feet to their fire every offseason because he's on one year deals. Organizations had the Cleveland Cavaliers had no choice but to move heaven and hell every seagull offseason to appease LeBron. And hell, a first round exit, uh, a, a play in to get into the playoffs with a relatively healthy LeBron and AD. I think that would spell curtains for him for at the very least, right? They want to ensure that LeBron James is at least comfortable if he chooses to return with the outlook from a coaching standpoint, right? But, you know, this season, somebody somebody put his uh, uh, Lakers logo over his quarter zip, and I honestly almost vomited this morning. But, man, if this continues and the Lakers go down the slippery slope... <laughs> And folks start talking about Doc Rivers more. I might oh, have to delete on, my man. account. Yeah, just, I've already. Just, I have to. I would have to delete my account, man. That if the nation gets to that point, uh, that would just go to show the indictment on Darvin Ham. And I saw at least three superimposed photos of that man with a Lakers quarter zip on, and that just means that there are thunderstorms and dark clouds over the horizon. If that's where folks are at, yeah. No, I. Yeah, I agree with you. That sounds very scary, by the way. And I, and I think for Darvin Ham, the other thing that may raise his chances of being fired is last season, you could caveat a lot of his tenure with the uh, Russell Westbrook drama through the first mm-hmm. half of the season. And we o- overexceeded expectations after the trade, it, you know, went through that play and run, went all the way to the Western Conference. Well, guess what? He has to prove to us that that wasn't just an adrenaline run of new faces, you know, just being yeah. thrown together and like no expectations. Let's do this. Hey, we brought back the same core for you, much of the same core, and we bolstered the edges. You got Christian Wood, man. Like we got Gabe Vincent, who was in the finals, Torian Prince, like Jackson Hayes. This is a better roster. Yes, this is this is a way better roster. And if you can't show us that 
you can't even reach the same progression or rate of progression as last year's team. Like you said, it's, the results are starting. The, the results will show themselves, and they have to make a decision at that point what, as to whether or not this is a real coach we want to move forward with. So, yeah, it's it's an interesting thing to monitor throughout the season for sure. Uh, lastly, with the last couple of minutes we have left of this episode, Austin Reeves is. Austin Reeves, him sanity run over. So look, Austin looked really good in, in in FIBA. He looked very controlled. It looked like he was going to take that leap, save for some defensive liability stuff. But throwing that to the side, unfortunately, FIBA may have been the worst thing to happen to Austin Reeves because yeah. that experience fried his legs. And all of a sudden, he's looking mighty Jordan Pooley in the worst possible sense. He's... Mm been very sloppy he's been making bad decisions he's been forcing shots he's been trying to foul bait calls that he's no longer getting because the refs and teams around the league have wisened up to him and overall he's just been pressing too much yeah he's been pressing too much and i feel like he's been trying to live up to the hype that was built for him over the offseason and the western conference finals run he had the pretty good showing he had at fiba and now I feel like in the midst of trying to live up to that hype, we have lost the smart Austin, the guy who makes the right plays and doesn't do too much. The guy who is the connective play playmaker, the connective player who will do all the dirty work. And he feels the need to Tyler hero this shit up and cross people over and like take the, you know, with 18 seconds left on the shot clock, take the pull up jump shot off his own dribble. And I'm not saying that the book is out on Austin, his ceiling is capped, whatever. I'm just saying right now he's struggling and we need to get Austin Reeves back to homeostasis somehow, whether that means Mm -hmm. scaling his rollback. Stop giving him the ball so much and asking him to run through three guys who are stripping him of the ball and try and lay it up or whatever. Like scale his rollback a little bit, maybe have him man the bench unit so that he can regain that confidence. Um, have ask him to be that connective piece again instead of asking him to be Tyler Hero and having him try to win most improved player of the year. But yeah, what are your thoughts on Austin Reeves' struggles thus far? And are you starting to have that concern that at 25 years old, maybe Austin Reeves has hit his ceiling more than we thought? Or are you are, are you or are you not there yet? Yeah, no, I, I think to, to kick things off, Austin definitely could have used the summer back in Arkansas, just the summer back home, feet up, you know, hey, put, put on a pound or two, you know, hey, whatever. This is the longest NBA season, longest basketball season of your life, right? <laughs> the body needs to rest up. And it's not like we are asking a rookie or a sophomore that is 18 or 19 to play NBA, like Anthony Edwards can play basketball 24 hours a day, probably up until age 23, 24. That's when the miles and the tread on the tire, you start to feel it a little bit. Anybody, younger college kids that listen to the Lakers Legacy podcast, first of all, you're smart because this is my guy. I've been listening to him for about seven years now, it feels like. Damn, but there's world. going to be a time. <laughs> Yeah, right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. (laughs) There's going to be a time where you can't party like you used to. There's going to be a time that you're going to need to stretch before you hit open runs. And you're going to wake up the next day and be like, 
why does it feel like I'm a little bit slower, got hit by a truck? Because, brother, that's just how the body works. Your prime years are your prime years, and you'll still be in your prime, but that body going to slow down. And I think we're seeing that with Austin, and we put his body on fast forward with that full NBA season and then Team USA. But to me, man, to your point about as far as on the floor and how he's used being being utilized, I'm the kind. I'm a little tired of the AR mixtape tour. Like the first couple of games of the season, because, you know, I took a break from watching him and, you know, I wouldn't really watch Team USA basketball at two o'clock in the morning just to lose, um, you know, watching him kind of do his dribble, dribble, tween, tween, kind of mixing folks up. It's it's fun. It's it's an appeasing thing to watch. Right. Until you realize he hasn't gone anywhere or create any separation or he's taking a floater uh, fading into the out of bounds and you're looking for a foul call. It's like, well, those aren't as smart as shots man those aren't high percentage shots and you're also using a lot of energy trying to get the shot off so i agree i think we talked about it earlier get the ball probably needs to be in the 38 39 year old elder statesman's hands who's been taking care of his body since austin reeves was in elementary school um not to say austin isn't it's just it's different when you built different and lebron james is built different right um but he could serve it would serve the Lakers and serve Austin Reeves if we just shifted down a gear with him. Put him back into a four, right? That connective player. Maybe slide him and have him orchestrate the second unit. Maybe him and Roy could get back to being a little bash bros when their minutes, you know, their opportunities come in. But Austin's got some wear, man. And him having to play more defense like the great point you brought yeah. up earlier with no vando it's it's kind of exposing some of those flaws and lastly jay the tape's out on him yep. he can't sneak up on anybody man the coaches can they know scouting departments know what he's good and what he lacks and he's just going to have to adjust back to continue to prove why he got his contract extension which makes more sense now <laughs> now yeah. that you look at it right um, Fair value. He, yep he's got a they the market reacted to him he's got to react back to the market yeah no i absolutely agree and you know austin reeves he's playing 32 minutes this year he is the second he's second on the team in turnovers per game i mean lebron james is obviously one with four but austin reeves is averaging 2.6 turnovers in 32 minutes only averaging four assists. Four assists to 2.6 is a very bad assist-to-turnover ratio. And the fact that I'm not saying D'Angelo Russell, who's playing two more minutes than Austin Reeves, that's bad, man. D'Angelo's averaging two, two turnovers, but Austin Reeves is averaging 2.6 turnovers. Yeah, this is not to say that we can't scale Austin back up with more on-ball reps, but clearly, whether it's through tired legs or having to play defense more or the long summer, Clearly, he's not right right now, so let's help him out a little bit. Scale him back so we can scale him scale him down so we can scale him back up later when he gets his legs and everything together. You know what I mean? So yep. hope is not lost in Austin, but we got to do what we can to help this dude out. And Darvin Ham, that's on you, brother. So I, I don't know, man. Let's, let's, <laughs> let's, let's that's get That's the scary Aust part. <laughs> it's I know. We, yeah, so... And maybe it's a lot of our fault as well as fans, you know, like crowning this guy as the third man. We, we all need to, yeah, we, we all need to go back to homeostasis. So lastly, give me one or two positives <laughs> from this Lakers team to send us off 
on a positive note, Ricky, I'll go real quick and say LeBron James has looked healthy at the very least. He looks incredible. The dunking exhibition that he had versus the Heat reminded me of the first game he had in a Lakers uniform against the Portland Trailblazers where he has like back-to-back tomahawk hammer jams. So LeBron James seems up to the task, but any other positives that you can think of? Um, Anthony Davis just just wrecking havoc on both ends of the court. I mean, you throw out that first game of the season um, and, you know, unfortunately the the injury that he had against the Heat. And um, th- this is the content that you subscribe for when you look at AD and he signed that contract extension as well. He's going to be getting paid to close to $60 million in a couple of years, right? So um, I think everybody should just take a step back and realize, you know, frustration, not frustration. This is a top three big man in the league as is right now. And um, he's going to be a Laker past LeBron's tenure here. So the Lakers need to figure out how to maximize his tenure now. And maybe, maybe Johnny, we're going to be shopping for another running mate with them when we get closer to trade deadline. That's that, that's what I'm thinking, but that that's probably for another show for us. Yeah, that may be the case. Indeed. Uh, one other positive Christian Wood has done his job. He has bought in. We got to help him out though. Darvin ham. We got to get him more than one shot in a game without yeah. Anthony Davis. But with that said, Christian Wood has rebounded the ball when Anthony Davis has been out there with him. He has moved his feet on the perimeter guarding guys like KD Kawhi, I really like the element that he's brought to this team, but he cannot be the sole rim protector. Christian Wood needs help as well. And another positive positive is the Lakers are slowly but surely getting more reinforcements coming. Rui Hachimura just came back. Torian Prince came back. Hopefully Jackson Hayes is fine. Gabe Vincent, we need Gabe Vincent to just muck things up and give us that gritty edge from the guard spot, the perimeter spot that we need. Cause clearly Max Christie is also steep learning curve for the kid as well. You know, looking like Bruno Mars out there on oh Halloween. God. Anyways, that'll do it for this episode. Ricky, thanks so much for joining me. The Lakers technically could, if one cam reddish shot had gone in, the Lakers could be four and four this season, yeah. easily be four and four. Mm-hmm. Now they could also easily be two and six, but whatever, right. <laughs> you know, let's go with the pot, <laughs> glass half full side of things. Uh, given the fact that this Lakers team, this roster is in flux right now. We're still trying to figure out the new pieces. We're still trying to weather the injury storm, but yeah, get back to us in five more games and we'll see where we're at right now. Panic meter as a, is at a five, 5.5, but hopefully now that we have the data that we do, how do we respond to adversity folks? Now's the time to show it. We face the Phoenix Suns next with Bradley Beal, Kevin Durant, and maybe Devin Booker's back. So we'll see. Um, But with that said, thank you guys for joining me. Ricky, plug LNLS and anything else you guys have going on. And yeah. Absolutely, man. Appreciate you having me on. As always, if you want any more content from myself, uh, you can follow me at Mr. Ricky Spanish on Twitter. Uh, But please, more importantly, please follow Late Night Lake Show wherever you get your content, YouTube. Twitter post game spaces are always they're always something yesterday yesterday was one for the book so make sure you tapped in with us um as we continue to provide you guys that good content Jay love you baby appreciate you having me on absolutely man thanks Ricky catch late night lake show catch Lakers legacy podcast and yeah hopefully the next time we do this the Lakers are above 500 and rolling so Ricky I'll catch you later man see ya peace peace
Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.